from Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of July 15th, 2011, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios is the very lovely Maya Strang. Hello. Uh, sitting in for Josh Loveless today is our editorial director, Roxanne Weeman. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Greetings, all. And on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, Chad Michael Snaver. Hello, friends. I, uh, I was updating the staff picks last night and writing the little blurbs about everybody, and I mm-hmm. wrote for Chad's... Um, I was trying to write illustrious producer, right? But I wrote illustrative. I noticed that. <laughs> Did you really? It was at three in the morning, so and I fixed it this morning. I fixed it. I was going to say that's a very unique adjective to describe a producer. I saw your tweet this morning when I got out of bed, and I read it twice. I read like, it on my phone, and I was like, "Did he write what I think he wrote?" Is this a compliment? <laughs> what does he mean? You're by very this? creative with your drawing. <laughs> so I fixed it. I fixed it. Wow. I, I, that was the thing. I, 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 the thing you shouldn't do is write something in the middle of the night and then t- publicly refer to it. it. Right. Because then when you read it in the light of morning, mm-hmm. it's like, oh. And so I, I had to like kind of finesse everybody's. Nice. So, so you, I should go back yeah, and read it. You know what really, yeah. uh, along those same lines, is like when you tweet a joke, but there's a typo in the joke, and then you're like, well, do I delete it and then post it again? But then some people might see it twice. Do I just leave it or do I just delete it altogether? Or is the joke just totally ruined at this point? It is. I, I've done the thing of like, oh, I quickly try to like delete and then repost. And then people are like, they think that you like your joke so much that you're <laughs> wanting to make sure yeah. that everybody sees it and that you're multiple posting it. That's one of the things I like about Tumblr is you can just go and edit your post. You don't have that to delete better. it and start all over. Yeah. Well, and Google Plus, same thing. They let you edit your posts mm-hmm. uh, indefinitely. And your comments. If you put comments, you can edit it, edit whatever you said. So I actually was talking to Lloyd uh, Kinsley, former podcaster on Google Plus last night. and uh, Were you uh, hanging out? About, uh, no, about the, <laughs> he commented up. on the staff picks and he's like, where's the mustaches? And I wrote back, that was so 2009. <laughs> so and then I realized, not 2007. And I realized, 2000 and late, man. Yeah, and so then I realized, wait, no, he was 08. So yeah. I went in this morning and edited it. Yeah. See, it's very convenient. I corrected Well, the then year. you could have used the 2000 and late joke. So maybe you still should if you can edit it. <laughs> I'll tweet that again. Well, see, I, I'm still like a huge Friendster guy. And so I'm just waiting for the tide to come back around. The Friendster? <laughs> <laughs> just waiting. It's lonely out there on Friendster. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm wondering, I mean, like right now I have the Tumblr, I have, I'm on Twitter, on Facebook and on Google Plus. And it's yeah. like, that's a lot of updating to say the same thing. Cause that's essentially Tumblr, like I'll post photos and stuff that I don't in other places, but Twitter, Facebook and Google Plus, I kind of just copied the same comment. And it's like, yeah. I have the same friends on a lot of them and they're like having to see it three times. That does seem like a lot of work. It seems like you'd spend most of your day doing that. No, most of my evenings is how I spend my evenings. It is. (laughs) Sit there with my computer open. I got to plan my next tweet. (laughs) Planning the next tweet is, is, well, I've come to realize, incredibly stressful. (laughs) 
you know, you, yeah. it up. you really want to usually I'll think of the tweet, I'll write it, and then I'll kind of, I won't sleep on it, but I'll think about it for like an hour. Way and then I'm like, would it be funnier if I just tweaked it just a little <laughs> The the other uh, the other evening uh, online computer thing that I've I've become obsessed with and I know I'm really late to the party on this is Angry Birds. Do you guys ever play that? Oh, all the time. Oh, yeah. Are you serious? Uh, are you making my, fun of me? Or no, you, I okay. play it on my phone all the time. I have the app on my computer. It's ridiculous. Oh, on the all iPad. The all the time. It, the, the, the it's interface, an HD it's like, now. it's like literally Steve Jobs made the iPad for a better <gasps> Angry Birds, Birds experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, it, it's so perfect. Do you have Angry Birds seasons? No, I just have the Angry Birds HD. Oh, man. Seasons is good. They just came out with the summer one. Are you serious? I, I, I dominated is all it? the other levels, and they just came out with the summer one. Oh man, it's so good. I feel so late to the party, but I'm like, this game's awesome. <laughs> Did anyone else just have the realization that this is suddenly the nerdiest podcast yeah. ever? <laughs> well, Ryan's coming up later, so no, he's not. Uh, no. I was like, because he could come talk about Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter. Hey. But you could talk about Harry Ross Potter. can do it. Yeah. She's right there with him. I'm so excited. That's the day this uh, podcast will air. You guys will be at the midnight showing. Yeah. Are you going I Thursday night? When people are downloading this, you guys will be basically in, in Hogwarts heaven mm, with awesome. all the other moguls or yes. whatever you <laughs> moguls. call them. Moguls. Richard Branson and P. Diddy? <laughs> no, I can't do a midnight showing. No. I just... I you, mean, you, you I... get home at 4.30 in the morning. I know. And then I will, like... Want to sleep talk about all it day and, about and then at work. Be, it'll be interesting when all the editorial team calls in sick on Friday. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dude, I'll take the next midnight show that I'm going to is the pl- new Planet of the Apes. Jesse, that's so funny. That commercial came on last night and I just turned to my wife and I said, Jesse Carey cannot wait to see that. <laughs> I totally cannot wait. One, okay, it, it's everything that I love in one awesome movie, including James Franco. <laughs> I didn't know you loved James Franco. No, I I'm just kidding. I'm pretty indifferent about James Franco. <laughs> but did you see those? Did you see those monkey like when they're when they're like running over the interstate on ramp like with primitively fashioned spears and people are freaking out? Mm-hmm. It's gonna be awesome. Chimpocalypse. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it literally is. Um, okay, so uh, let's get things rolling. Uh, we have a great podcast in store for you. We. Later on, we're going to uh, bring in uh, the editor of, or managing editor of Reject Apathy, our new publication, and we're going to tell you about it and uh, how it came about and tell you about the premiere issue, which is out now. And then we also have an interview with director Don McGlynn about his new film called Rejoice and Shout. It's getting a ton of buzz uh, and a ton of uh, media attention. So we uh, have him coming up later. But first, your entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, July 19th. Uh, We have They Might Be Giants with Join Us. Uh, three doors down, really? Why did you put that? Why did you put that on the list? <laughs> he well, just wants to eat your reaction. <laughs> time of my life, three doors down. Really? Time of my life. Yeah. That's the name of it. Uh, yeah. Had... <laughs> it's a remake. <laughs> it's a remix album. Uh, three eleven with uh, Universal Pulse. Man, this what? What are you <laughs> sure on. you have this, the release dates for the right year? <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he did uh, Tuesday, July nineteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. Three eleven. Yeah. This yeah. is not from uh, the year nineteen ninety-nine. Uh, uh, Burlap to Cashmere is coming out with Burlap to Cashmere. What? Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. It's all in the same week. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Theophilus London with Times Are Weird These Days. And Well, well, that's an aptly named uh, album title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and last but not least, Fink, not Pink, with Perfect Darkness. Uh, movies coming out on Friday, July 22nd. Captain America, the first Avenger, mm. uh, starring Chris Evans and Tommy Lee Jones. I want that to be good. 
Maya's excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see it. I think it, I I hope they don't show too much of him with his head plastered on that skinny body. Because it looks weird. <laughs> you want him in, in the diesel body? Yeah, I want, I'd like yeah. rather yeah. look at the diesel body. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just think it's weird. It bothers me when I see it in the commercials. I'm like, is that going to be like five minutes of movie or like 35 minutes? That's what they did with Tron. Yeah. They put uh, Jeff Bridges' Tron. head on a different body for the, the future. Whole movie? For the future Tron. Yeah, the future Jeff Bridges. He said he didn't look very good in one of those leotard skin things. Tight. Well, um, he's got that. I mean, if you see him. You don't think of him as fat, right? But if you see him, dude's kind of fat. Well, and skin well, tart. Well, look at the big Lebowski. Skin tight leotards are not very yeah. sure. Flattering. Yeah, just picture the big Lebowski wearing <laughs> the leotard, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they're like, let's put, let's CG his head yeah. on. <laughs> that poor actor. who's a lot more work. Gets a credit but, for like being the body uh-huh. and doing all of it, but yeah, without his head. Bridges' his body and Tron. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> yes. Would he be a stunt person? I mean, like. Or is he just a body so. actor? <laughs> What's a body What's actor? What's a new thing with well, all the Because CG you still on. have to act with your body. Right, he has to do all the stuff. Some people That's have true. to act with their body. That's weird. He would have had to done all the stuff. But they're just, they're just everybody. acting out explosions and, and ninja fights and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's very complicated. I, I can imagine that the movements of just walking around are much more nuanced. Like a mm. body actor would probably be very offended by you comparing him to a stunt probably. person. Probably. You, you're talking about it like this is a real thing. I'm a body actor. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it has to be, right? It's, it's the future. Okay, okay. Have you, played, or have you ever watched like one of those making of the video games where the guy, yeah. he looks like he's wearing like a wetsuit, yeah. but it's covered in those little golf balls? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, what they I bet that guy takes his job pretty seriously. I saw Charles Barkley do one of those for EA Sports. Yeah. Uh, for some basketball video game, they had him actually go out there and do his own oh, motions man. and moves. What, was it a little unflattering? Uh, it looked like Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like the big Lebowski yeah. in a wetsuit. Yeah. <laughs> um, also coming out, Friends with Benefits, starring Justin Timberlake, acting, not singing. and He sings a little bit in it. That's so weird. Kunis. Just that one and the No Strings Attached in the same year. Yeah, basically I mean, they're the like same the movie. same story. I know. Well, do we know that? Maybe there's well, a huge plot there twist. Is, uh, maybe maybe there is. Maybe there's more body acting. I think they're dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> you find out right in the very end. <laughs> well, on the insides, they probably are. Yeah, they're so <laughs> All right, that'll do it for your entertainment releases. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Recognize this band? Well, it's podcast favorite Deus Vale, and they're one of the eight artists to perform on our relevant stage at Purple Door 2011. You can score VIP passes to see them and more than 30 other great bands front and center. Enter to win at facebook.com slash relevant. You're listening to Deus Vale. The song is Wake Up and Sleep. <laughs> what? Wake Yeah, let's go. They're it's just, it's from their clever. upcoming album. It's playing right now on Relevant FM. So uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Foster the People with the song Don't Stop, Color on the Walls. That is bad advice if you have a toddler. Um, <laughs> Foster the People, one of 
the uh, yay yeah somebody who is a group that a lot of people on staff really yeah, like right they're now. really good really good uh, a little trivia about Foster people have we told this on the podcast I don't think we have uh, one of the band members is married to Rebecca St. James it's true the bass player and uh, I believe the drummer was in the W's yep the old yep. uh, Christian ska band ska the band. W's well that it, then is it can we can we say it's kind of a super group <laughs> <laughs> because you're married to Rebecca St. James I mean that's an end okay. group, you know <laughs> alright yeah they're uh, they're blowing up right now they had the number one song in the country then knocked out the Foo Fighters mm-hmm. for a while so just so you guys know John Reardon was the body double who's that He's the body double. And name sounds so, familiar. So body double he, is the term. So it's not I mean, stunt he's double, an it's actor. body double. He's been in or some body movies. actor. Are you sure? But he, he's uh, called the performance double. Performance mm. double. Oh, that's well, you know, maybe th- that sounds pretty dignified. There might yeah, be an nice. industry. There might be an industry for body acting because, like, if you're talking about just things where the head isn't shown, you've got all those like 2020 shots of the obese America. You know, true. That's all body actors. True. You know, they all um, IMDb pages. Yeah, they all have IMDb pages as body actors. <laughs> just no face on there. Just the body <laughs> picture. The body. Even the the role lasts uh, four seconds of B roll. <laughs> it's the opposite of what Tom Hanks did with uh, when he did the Castaway movie, where he where he lost all the weight. They they're like, oh well, I just got cast for a 2020 B roll, so I need to gain 180 pounds. <laughs> How horrible would that be? Yeah, ch- check me out. I'm between one minute 11 seconds and one minute 13 seconds. You'll see me. I'm wearing a blue shirt and mom jeans. Yeah, it's the same mom jeans. <laughs> I'll, I'll be wearing. I'll be the one wearing sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, it's time for slices. Um, what do you have, Jesse? All right. Well, a uh, a city in Croatia is going to be building the world's largest Jesus statue. Um, it's going to be 129 feet tall, and that is 10 feet taller than the current world's tallest Jesus statue, which is in Poland. So they're really one up in the Polish on their Jesus statue. Hmm. Um, but it, it's met some serious debate in this Croatian town. The mayor thinks it's going to be really great because it's a, it's a heavily Catholic area and he thinks it's going to bring in a lot of tourists. <laughs> but um, most of the people wish the money were to be spent elsewhere. They really wanted windmills, apparently. They wanted windmills? Windmills instead of the giant Jesus. But they could have, I mean, they may have been able to combine them some way. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, Maya was sitting here acting out how that could happen with Jesus's arms being windmill blades. <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> it, it, a true politician would have figured out a way. Yeah. So he's building a giant Jesus for tourism. For Basically, uh, you know, he, he because it is like, I think, 88% Catholic, like the region. And so mm-hmm. he thinks a lot of people will come mm-hmm. to, to check out the, the giant Jesus. Um, <laughs> but they have a picture of, of the one in Poland. Uh, and it's pretty impressive. I mean. Do, but do the arms wave around like windmills? There are no windmills on this one, actually. I don't think this one is uh, energy uh, efficient. Well, I mean, so, why why do the residents want windmills? I mean, the Dutch kind of have that locked up. Well, I, I don't they think they wanted it for tourism purposes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they were tourist windmills. I think they wanted the energy. <laughs> okay. I think they wanted their local government to provide a basic resource like uh, affordable energy and not a massive Jesus statue. Again, well, I don't know Jesus what's more Well, they also said they also wanted solar panels. So again, see, but they want, want they want Jesus. earthly power. The Jesus statue brings the power of God right. to the area. It brings the power of kitsch. I hope they've done their research into what happened to Touchdown Jesus. 
Yeah, did it get struck by lightning and burned struck down? By lightning and burned down. It yeah. did not. Yeah, it did. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> like what? Last year or two years ago? Mm-hmm. No, I, I guess I, I have no moral opposition to a massive Jesus statue. I just don't really know if Jesus, you know, really would care about us building them. Yeah, he wasn't really into graven images. Yeah, but I don't really know his uh, his opinion on windmills either. <laughs> <laughs> Pro windmills. He, he was a little ambiguous about that as well. So. All right. What do you have, Maya? Um, a few weeks ago, I told you guys about the um, airline that let the grandpa man come on in a hooker outfit, but wouldn't let that guy. A woman hooker outfit. A woman hooker outfit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was this um, old man dressed in a halter top and knee highs and, and bikini briefs. Yeah. It was, it was horrible. horrible. And they let him fly. No problem. But right. then a few days later, there was um, a college college kid that, that got arrested and escorted off the plane because his pants were too saggy. Yep. So in more uh, low riding pants news, a town called Collinsville, Illinois in Illinois is um, passed a ban for, uh, for forbidding people to wear pants lower than three to four inches below their waistband. What? Wow. Below yeah. their weight. Like, like what Bel- if you're not wearing underwear? Well, then you'll be- probably get arrested. <laughs> this, this is like the town from flash dance. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. You, sooner or later, these guys with saggy pants are just going to head down to the old abandoned warehouse to let out their aggression <laughs> in, a, in a sweet choreographed dance. <laughs> is that flash dance or footloose? Footloose. footloose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they're remaking. They are. Yeah, which is so yeah, weird. In, in Illinois with kids with <laughs> yeah. baggy pants. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. That's it. I've had it with this stuffy old town. Down to the warehouse. Let's <laughs> <laughs> pull down our pants. Just, yeah. just a little. Just a little bit. That's a different movie altogether. <laughs> <laughs> when the guys go down to the warehouse and pull down their pants. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> she said. A li- just a little. Just below she said the, just a little. You know, a little further than three just or four inches. Just a little inches. shaggy. So, <laughs> but the uh, first first offense is punishable by $100. Uh, second offense is punishable by $300 plus 40 hours of community service. Wow. wow. And, then, and then on your fourth offense, all your pants have to be elastic waisted. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're confined to a life of Zubaz pants. <laughs> Can you imagine in your like employment records when they when they ask you if you've ever been arrested? <laughs> yeah. Like, yes, I have two offenses of wearing my pants too long. Yeah, can't you see? Like, can't care. you see these Cincinnati Bengals Zubaz pants on there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm convinced. I think we've had this conversation, but I'm convinced. That, remember the old Zubaz NFL pants? I'm convinced they only mm-hmm. made two teams: Chicago Bears and Cincinnati no, Bengals. Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. How can I forget the Miami Dolphins? And Washington yeah. Redskins because I had a pair. Oh, oh right! I had a hat and a and no, a pair of pants. And on here, the the Tampa Bay Bucks ones, the orange no. and yellow, the old Bucks colors, old ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, L.A. Raiders, the black and steel. I yep. think they still wear them out there. <laughs> I think I've seen a few of those fans. Yeah, those Come crazy on. guys, those Oakland Raider crazy guys, they were the black and mm-hmm. silver Zubaz. Yep. Yeah. Well, that would really solve this whole conundrum. You should just, they should just literally take away the fines and just sentence them to wearing Zubaz. Yeah. Collinsville, mm-hmm. Illinois should, should do that. Yeah. Because I think that a waistband on those alone are like three and a half inches tall. <laughs> just the, it's, it's three and a half inches tall elastic. Yeah. <laughs> and when you try to pull on it the down, ankles and waist. When you try to pull it down lower, it, it's like slowly gathers and yeah. grabs and goes back up your body. Yeah. <laughs> As you move. It's really the perfect solution. <laughs> I think in order to fly in this country, I think the TSA should should make a law in order to fly in this country, you're wearing Zubaz. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I also have some airline news. On a Southwest flight, a man was arrested for interfering with a flight crew because he pelted the flight attendant with peanuts and pretzels. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Apparently, he did that because Was the he flight- a toddler? <laughs> no, that's okay. what's Because I have one, and I've been <laughs> pelted by peanuts true. and pretzels. Apparently, the flight attendant tried to stop the man from smoking an electronic cigarette, because oh. those, I guess, are illegal on flights, too. Sure. And so he started pelting the flight are attendant. They? Why are they? Why? I thought you could smoke Which is a really anywhere. good question. I don't know. But oh. I, I feel like this guy Probably is really practicing a lot of ineffective things in his life. Right. Electric <laughs> cigarettes, <laughs> throwing pretzels and peanuts at people to make a statement. I don't know. What did he think? Anyway. She would relent? Like, oh. I don't know. Okay. But he was arrested for it. Yeah, but how did he think that was going to end? That's what I'm saying. He didn't <laughs> yeah. think when he, when he was she like, was all right, like, okay, so you're, you're, okay. I'm, I'm not going to put away a cigarette and I'm going to throw food at you. That, that, that'll, that'll get my point across. Okay, well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, director Don McLean. listening to Cold War Kids. The song is Skip the Charades. It's playing right now on Relevant FM and the video is on Relevant.tv. Filmmaker Don McGlynn is a director who specializes in documentaries about American music. He's made over 30 films and his documentaries have been presented at over 200 international film festivals and he's won a number of awards. Rejoice and Shout is his most recent. It was premiered at the 2010 South by Southwest Film Festival and it's playing right now in select theaters nationwide. Uh, Rejoice and Shout traces the evolution of gospel music uh, through its many styles, the spirituals and early hymns, the four-part harmony-based quartets, the integration of blues and swing into gospel, the emergence of soul, and the blending of rap and hip-hop elements as well. Years in the making, Rejoice and Shout captures so much of what's special about this music and African-American Christianity. Uh, our very own Josh Luan Loveless spoke to Don recently, and here's part of that interview. Don, through the making of this film, Rejoice and Shout, you trace the roots of gospel music from its origin to what's happening right now. How would you describe that historical arc of the genre of gospel music? The arc is is going from slavery to having an African-American president. You know, this is, uh, it was a rocky road getting there, though, of course, because of um, the Civil War and, you know, the Depression and and desegregation and uh you know but uh, finally we have um the african-american community being a part of the mainstream of america not being discriminated against so obviously as they had been for for literally centuries uh, gospel music obviously lived underground i mean you even just talked about that idea of being mainstream it lived underground to most white people in the early days was was there a clear moment when it broke out into the mainstream 
I think probably the first time it really broke out in the mainstream was when the national radio stations, which started emerging in the late uh, 20s, early 30s, started uh, having shows like Silver Jordan, and then later on with uh, the Golden Gate Quartet. And I think that really put it in everyone's homes so that they could actually hear how great this music could be. And then later on, when you had people like Mahalia Jackson, you know, selling literally millions of records. I mean, it's, it's astonishing how many records she sold on hardcore gospel songs. I mean, that was quite extraordinary. That happened in the 40s. And I think that's when it pretty much entered the mainstream. It also was helped by Sister Rosetta Tharp uh, having million selling hits in the, uh, in the early 40s, which were sometimes a bit secular and sometimes just flat-out gospel songs. As you just described, yourself as a newcomer to, uh, to you know, to, to fully understanding the historical significance um, of this music genre. Um, there, everybody kind of understands and, and knows, you know, from the surface what, what gospel music is all about. But for those that want to dig a little bit deeper, you know, what are some artists that they should start with? And, and really, what was it for you that hooked you beyond that surface level understanding of what gospel music is all about? Well, I was always a, a fan of the music. I always loved it. And I always recognized that it was really an essential route to uh, what American music is. Um, and I think when you start seeing it mixing up with blues and, and the folk songs from Western Europe and some of the rhythm from, um, from Latin America, you, you see what American music is. It's a sort of amalgamation of many different influences. And so for me, it was like I always knew that, you know, Mahalia Jackson was wonderful. I was familiar with it. And I saw James Cleveland was a magnificent show, maybe the most impressive show I've ever seen. So it just became a question of getting into it more deeply. And one of the more um, interesting things that I didn't know, because I'm I'm an Irish-American kid who grew up in the Midwest, was just how devoted these people were. Sunday was an entire day of worship, and um, that commitment was enormous. Um, and then when you when you make this connection between people being so committed and and taking literally their body and soul and throwing it into this music, you realize how thrilling it can be. Um, and I, I really wanted people to know that when they watched the film. I wanted them to say, okay, these people really mean it. <laughs> and so... Uh, working on this film for so long, I think the question was, how do we give the information? How do we uh, have some thrilling music? How do we have some personal remembrances from people like Smokey Robinson and and uh, Mavis Staple? How do we sort of flesh this out so it's a multifaceted document so that we get a feeling for the whole, the whole world that gospel music came out of? The season was always uh, open on me Nobody What relationship, if any, do you see between gospel music and the genre of uh, Christian music? 
that's emerged in the last 50 years. Um, in some cases, oh in some cases they seem blurred, and then in other cases they seem very distant and separate. I don't know how to confront that. My my biggest musical hero is Ellington, and he always said that you know labels are a problem. You know, is it a good, is it good or isn't it? And in the case of of uh, African-American Christianity and the music that people hear in church, it's a little difficult for me to say, oh, this kind isn't good or that kind isn't good, because I'm sort of, I sort of believe that if it gets the message of God through to the people and inspires them, that makes it, that, that makes it valuable and that makes it important. That was Don McGlynn. To check out the full trailer for Rejoice and Shout and the entire interview, both can be found at the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Let me hear myself. Wish I was you. I could be near myself. Paper man, get your green favorite brand. Swisher Sweets. I got a CD out. Wish I was you so I could see me now. You're listening to Heath McNeese. Um, the song is called Make That Paperboy. Uh, it's from his new mixtape, Straight Out of Console, the Nintendo Thumb mixtape. You can get the mixtape at heathmcneese.bandcamp.com. Well, uh, subscribers to Relevant got a little surprise with their July issue. Um, it's something that we've been working on a long time, and it's the debut issue of our brand new magazine, Reject Apathy. Yay. <laughs> it makes me happy. It's finally in print. It's finally here. It's great. Um, the story of uh, Reject Apathy is an interesting one. So we uh, wanted to have uh, the managing editor of the magazine, Ashley Emmert, join us. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Um, we, uh, we've been working on Reject Apathy for actually literally a couple of years. Yeah, we started talking about it. I mean, you'd already started talking about it before I came. And it was one of the first things we started talking about. So, 08? 08, mm-hmm. yeah. right after you went to Rwanda in March. Yeah, when I got back in April, it was like... So, so this, the, the, the background behind why we're doing this is, um, number one, I mean, obviously with Relevant, we cover a wide range of kind of Christian life in your 20s and 30s, you know, looking at, at culture, being in the world yet not of it, you know, living, uh, growing your faith and living out that faith in a practical way. And one of the things that kept coming up in the magazine was social justice. I mean, not, uh, we actually back in, in, you know, 2000, 2003 era, didn't really talk about it when Bono was out there and leading the charge and all that stuff. Cause we felt like it was just almost like too trendy and that it was fleeting and we didn't want to kind of play into that cycle, you know? And so we waited intentionally until it wasn't cool anymore until Africa wasn't cool anymore, and we did a big Africa cover, I think, in '06, and uh, and 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 decided to be very intentional 
uh, about covering social justice differently in, in the magazine, making it an integrated part of our life, that our lives should be positioned outwardly and sacrificially, and that our lives shouldn't be about uh, your own selfish desires and comfort, um, and that we should be uh, postured as Christians to make the world a better place and impact lives around the world in tangible ways and spiritual ways. And so, you know, trying to figure out how to cover that, well, we we were wrestling with the balance, to be honest with you. I mean, it's like we still got to cover culture and we still got to cover other stuff. So you can't, even though these issues are pressing and urgent and important, we just couldn't go as far as we wanted to go. Um, so wrestling with that, I, uh, I had the opportunity of going to Rwanda in uh, 08, and, um, and that really opened my eyes to a kind of a different model and a different message. And it wasn't just about causes and charity. It was about kind of a holistic model um, of, of, the, of spiritual transformation, physical change, but real focus on sustainability and lifting people up and not handing things out. You know, mm-hmm. it's not about Westerners having all the solutions. It's about empowering people to kind of control their own destiny, you know? And so, so that was challenging. And then the election cycle hit and all of a sudden we're getting asked left and right about the audience we represent. And what we were seeing was that poll showed, studies showed that, that this, that our generation is more pro-life than our parents' generation. But you saw a lot of people, uh, Christian, young, you know, Christian young adults, supporting Obama and, you know, uh, people who have opinions or, or policies that are against traditional pro-life values and, and wrestling with that, like the media was really intrigued with that. And, and what we really started to understand was that even feeling in our own lives was that pro-life isn't just the definition that the religious right uh, had, had done of abortion only mm-hmm. that in our heart for social justice, we saw that, pro-life is standing up for those who can't stand up for themselves and that that there's pro-life issues about violence and unjust war mm-hmm. that there's a life aspect to um to to preventable disease and you know it, not just standing up for kids who aren't born yet but helping kids who have been born mm-hmm. have fruitful and productive and mm-hmm. long lives um Defense of innocence is something that we saw where, uh, yeah, there's uh, this generation was still very much against abortion, but also cared equally for the kids who are getting trafficked and, 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 and the innocent lives that were being taken. Uh, poverty was being defined as a life issue, uh, and it very much is. And then even creation care, where people kind of see that one as not being connected to the others, but it very much is connected. Uh, man caused climate change. Uh, who, who's the most affected by pollution and things? The poorest of the poor. Mm-hmm. There's health issues in communities. Children are dying, uh, diarrhea, things because of because of pollution. And, and, and if you, so, just on that level, mm-hmm. creation care is is a life issue. But then there's climate refugees, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and people being displaced and whatnot as well. So we we saw that 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 whole life or pro life was being redefined in a holistic way. And, and, you know, we kind of dubbed it whole life. And uh, that kind of continued our, this process that we had been in of like covering some stuff in the magazine, feeling like that wasn't enough, seeing like a new holistic model emerging 
And then seeing this change in, in attitude and mindset in our generation, we thought, we have to give voice to this. We just have to give voice to this and, and talk about it and go deeper and challenge it to get it past just, you know, like being trendy. You know, we have to make this substantial. And so the team uh, really rallied around this idea, 09, 10. We launched a website, rejectapathy.com. Uh, we, we updated content there every week. Um, but all the whole time really was working towards the goal of launching it as a print publication. Uh, the challenge was, well, twofold. Number one, we wanted the impact to be big. We didn't want this to limp into the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's kind of a tough sell to get somebody to, yeah. hey, let's be honest, to get somebody to buy a magazine about social justice. Right. So if we want maximum eyeballs and then you're saying, give me $5 to read my magazine, it's just a tough sell. So we the challenge for the team was, can we do this magazine and give it away for free? Mm-hmm. So we found a model by having partners um, uh, uh, support the vision. Um, specifically, our launch to help us launch, David C. Cook, 58, and Thomas Nelson stepped up to, to support the magazine. And we were able to distribute print and distribute 150,000 copies for free. Um, and we're going to do Reject Apathy twice a year. Um, every subscriber to Relevant will get it for free. And then we're distributing it on campuses and select events around the country. Yeah, I think part of what really drew me even to Relevant when I first started talking about about coming here was um, just the sort of new vision and excitement for for uh, social justice. That was something that that I was passionate about and some of my background that other publishers had been working on that. So it was a lot of fun to come and start really at the very beginning, start talking about what does this look like and what are some of the core values that are going to be really important to us because we don't want to just say that anything anything works because history has shown that a lot of social justice actually hurts if you don't um, do it in ways that are that are sustainable over the long term. We feel um, as as this movement matures and people are learning more and more that there's this idealism that we got to go change the world. You see an injustice, yeah. you want to mm-hmm. fix it. And, and, you know, really the, the fact is, is there's a lot of organizations that are there and doing, they're, they're doing amazing, they're doing every great work and we don't need another, you know, cause we don't need another t-shirt. We, I mean, what about, what about aligning with people who have wisdom beyond us? What about learning from their successes and their mistakes? What about supporting their efforts? You know, so, you know, and what organizations are doing it the right way? What organizations are, are, advocating for local, for sustainability, for, for, you know, having a Christ centered approach for mm-hmm. complete financial transparency. We know where the resources are going. We, you know, the ultimate goal would be that they work themselves out of a job, you know, mm-hmm. and there's some organizations right. that have made an industry and they aren't trying to work themselves out of a job. And then there's some organizations that like, if we're not gone in 15 years, we've right. messed up, you mm-hmm. know? So, how do you know who's doing it right? Who's doing it wrong? How do you find the right ones? How do you, how do you know about, you know, these issues, how do you learn about the context and the nuance and all these things? And that's why we wanted to launch (laughs) Project Apathy. And on the front lines of it every day is, is Ashley, uh, you know, not only doing the Project Apathy content for Relevant, but now the website and and this magazine too. What what are you seeing? I mean, you've been doing this for a couple of years. Like what have you, have you seen a shift? Have you seen uh, any, like any good change happening or, I mean, what are challenges that are facing us? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's all of the above and more. Um, I think it's 
not quite, it's not equal yet. It's not for every bad story. You hear a good story, but I think it's getting to the point now where so many people know so much more. And with the internet, obviously you can educate yourself and go to those organizations that you can trust or that you look to people who can point you in the direction of organizations to trust and people who are able to educate themselves better on these subjects and are able to find out who to go help. Um, so I think because of the prevalence of these news stories and these organizations, I think it's really helping people be like, okay, I know the problem and I know how to fix it. And I'm going to go out and try to do everything I can to help bring it into this. Um, and what you were saying about organizations before, um, one of the main stories in the first issue is um, discussing talking to nonprofit leaders and people who either started their own nonprofit or joined a nonprofit. And what they were saying, one of them, Roger Sandberg from Medair said, look at organizations that are out there and figure out what you want to do and whether you should join an organization that's already established or start your own. Like, don't just go out and let's not have 5 million organizations who are working toward the same thing, but partner with other people and see if there's an organization already out there doing what you want to do. So I think it's just getting this knowledge out there and showing people the best way to really help and not, not just get fired up about it, but actually take that fire and put it towards something. So projectapathy.com that launches on Wednesday. The old site is up now. So if you go there, actually, it's yeah. a website, but it is the old site. On Wednesday, uh, we'll be launching the new look, the new website. Um, it'll have uh, some uh, great new features. One is going to be that uh, every article, everything we do, and you see it in the print magazine, and now you'll see it online. Uh, we're talking about an issue, talking about an organization, talking about an idea. Uh, there's going to be a take action piece attached to every one of them, uh, a way to give your voice, a way to give your time, and a way to give your resources to making a difference in that issue. So it might be connecting you to an organization that's doing a great job. Mm-hmm. It might be here's where you can sign a petition to you know, have our government get involved, you know, that different things that you can do as an individual locally and globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's one of our core values is that we want to take people from knowledge to action. Phase one of the website is going to also introduce Reject Apathy Projects, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun uh, rallying our community around a common idea and a common goal. Um, these will roll out over the course of the fall. You'll start to see them happen. Um, We've partnered with several organizations that can will have uh, projects that we've kind of collaborated with them to come up with a unique idea and a uni- unique opportunity for our readers. But then we're also going to do some stuff like as disaster strikes and things like that, that we will rally our audience around a common goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, an outgrowth of that is is actually we've formed the Reject Apathy Foundation, and it's gonna, a, a, a separate 501c3. It's the official partner of these projects for us. Not to get too legal, but a for-profit company can't own a nonprofit. So it's a separate entity. But um, it, we've been able to set it up in a way that there's no overhead, no operating costs. And every project that we do with Reject Apathy, 100% of the proceeds that are raised will go to the field and go directly to the project. There's nothing skimmed off the top. So it's kind of the charity water model, um, which I'm excited about. And that, mm. that's going to roll out more and more over the fall. People will see more about that. Right. Phase two of the website, which will be in the spring, is where I'm really excited because talking about all these organizations and you talked about how people can go to their websites and find out more about them Mm -hmm. and there's a ton of information out there i don't know where to go and so we're going to actually form a uh a really really extensive organization directory uh that we've kind of vetted uh to help people find the ones who 
are doing it and expressing the values that we advocate for financial transparency, sustainability, uh, Christ centered values, um, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that we're going to form an, uh, a really extensive database that we're working on. Um, so in areas of poverty or preventable disease or violence or creation care or defensive innocence, you can find the organizations that we are saying are doing it the right way, get involved. And mm-hmm. so there's going to be an organization directory. There's going to be a volunteer database. So you can find organiz- uh, opportunities in your community. There's going to be an event calendar that you, if you have a, Invisible Children event happening at the University of Texas on Thursday night. You can get word out through through our event calendar. There's going to be a lot of participation, take action type stuff mm-hmm. added in phase two of the website. So phase one is a pretty massive overhaul. Um, and I think you'll like what you see, but just know we're not done yet. We're working on some really big stuff behind the scenes uh, that'll roll out in the winter and the spring. So it's exciting. It's exciting. The magazine is going to come out twice a year, uh, the print edition. Um, it's going to come out in uh, January and July. Um, this one came out July 1. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the next one will be in the winter. And we'll probably actually put it out a little bit earlier than January. But the official date is January mm-hmm. July. So you can connect, connect with us on Twitter, online, and in, in the print magazine as well. If, uh, like we said, the magazine's free. So if you want um, to get it as an individual, it's included in a subscription to Relevant. It's the same price. We didn't change the price for Relevant. Uh, you get six issues of Relevant. You get four albums. And then you get now the two issues of Reject Apathy mm-hmm. included as well. Um, if you're interested in that deal, you can subscribe at rejectapathy.com or at relevantmagazine.com, obviously. With all that stuff, you'll eventually get a candy gram too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just going to keep adding and adding and adding <laughs> stuff. Um, and, and, but if you want to, um, like if you have an organization, church, campus group, uh, a conference, anything, mm-hmm. that uh, a festival, whatever, uh, and you want to get copies on your or at the event, uh, we're glad to provide those for free. Um, you can find a link at rejectapathy.com to request copies, or you can actually email Tyler mm-hmm. at relevantmediagroup.com and, and uh, tell him about your event, and we will work yeah. it out to get them to you. It's really important to us that that people can distribute these and that a lot of people read them because it's really mm-hmm. important content. There's 150,000 copies available. Um, I'd say 90% have been claimed. Mm-hmm. They, and they haven't been distributed yet, but they are you know, earmarked for certain mm-hmm. campuses or events. But there's still some available if, if you want them. Yeah. Uh, we want to get this in your hands. It's, I mean, I'm going to say it's a fantastic magazine. It's interesting. It's accessible. It's provocative. It's beautifully designed. It's just really uh, different than anything that's out there right now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to check it out. If you want to look at it online, you can read, uh, you can, we have one of those digital flipper things that you can look at at rejectapathy.com too. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, that'll do it for uh, your look at Reject Apathy. Um, thanks for joining us, Ashley. Stay tuned. Uh, up next, a very different tone of a segment. <laughs> Feedback. You're listening to New Lore. The song is Eve from their album Apples and Eve, which is playing right now on Relevant FM. They're actually going to be uh, performing live on the podcast here in the next couple months. Good stuff. 
Okay, it's time for feedback. Last week, we asked you to take your favorite artist, associate, it was a very complex question. <laughs> we ha- okay, you had to take your favorite artist, preferably a CCM old school artist, associate a flavor profile to them, and then tell us about the ice cream that you would make in honor of that artist. Like, you know, I guess the Cherry Garcia type direction. Right. <clears throat> David, I'm trying to think some of the ones that we came up with. David Crowder, would, because of his beard, would be coconut, and, uh, and it would taste like Texas barbecue. Okay. Oh. Uh, and then there were some, some obvious ones that Jesse brought up, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So you all went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted your replies there. And there were a lot of them. Here's a few of our favorites. Okay, Sherry. I like Sherry. Kind of did a divergence from from the question, but I like her answer because her she's doing Harry Potter ice cream. Uh, Harry Potter ice cream would be magical in that only non-haters would be able to taste its amazing flavors. Bam. <laughs> I like it. Bam. I think that was directed at a few of us. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, Sherry. The question was about bands. <laughs> <laughs> Chad, Chad, will you please ban her from posting anymore? She's done. She's in clear violation. Amy uh, said uh, Mumford & Sons would be Guinness-flavored custard, which is a real custard flavor. Does custard count? It's practically ice cream. And she, and it's she goes on and on and on about custard and gelato and, and frozen yogurt. So anyway, Guinness flavored custard. I'm a big gelato fan, by the way. Gelato and James Franco. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, if there's nothing like, if I'm having a bad day, I just go home that night, pop it in a couple James Franco flicks and throw down on a pint of gelato. Of mocha flavored gelato. <laughs> it's just me and Franco tonight. Steph from Virginia Beach says, Kanye West flavored ice cream. Uh, just like the real Kanye, this ice cream doesn't have any taste. Oh, <laughs> burn. Take that. Okay, you want a complex yeah. one. JJ Carlson says, I think a Creed ice cream should be in order. Uh, at first, the flavor would be released and everyone would love it, saying it's a refreshing brand new twist on vanilla. But after the flavor blows up with an intensity, some people will doubt it, saying it tastes too much like that pearl vanilla flavor they've been familiar with. And in fact, they now find the flavor of the Creed ice cream to be more bland than as it melts. As a result of an unfortunate clash of ingredients, the Creed ice cream would be unavailable for years and its millions of fans would feel bitter. Regardless, years down the road, the Creed ice cream would try to reunite most of its ingredients for a second run. The millions of fans did not at all come back on board, but secretly they also wanted to taste again when they only actually disliked it originally after its popularity explosion, and apparently that's a bad thing. Throughout the whole process, the lead ingredient went through a series of identity crises, and while the other ingredients were put together to create another style ice cream, its lack of bridging together any real flavor made the ice cream melt fast and nobody noticed. Wow. (laughs) Can I just say there were a shocking amount of Creed comments on this (laughs) question? (laughs) And most of them started off as favorable. Yeah. 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 Kind of like your Weezer ice cream. Yeah. I would, yeah, but I, I, comparing early Weezer, early Creed, uh, <laughs> you're, you're comparing uh, gelato to Food Lion brand. That's true. <laughs> Philip Weeby uh, says Derek Webb ice cream. It starts out sweet and southern. Let's say peach. Then it gets a little more edge, a little more rocky with chocolate chips and nuts. Finally, it crackles with some electric flair. That's the pop rocks infused into the recipe. But wait. I like that. But one w- one lick into the middle of every cone comes up tasting like alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Very progressive. Sounds delicious. Very, I know. <laughs> Sounds, Sounds like, like an experience. You can make that at one of those 
ice cream places. Yeah, you that, could. That's the, mm. the Mute Math one also, they suggested Pop Rocks. They said that this would... Uh, um, Jeremy Edmonds, you're talking about. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy Edmonds. Uh, a base of vanilla, it's vintage flavor, just like their instruments. Throw in a mix of everything under the sun, almost like their music. And he's talking gummy bears, peanut butter cups, uh, and basically insert whatever you want here. Um, but last but not least, the Pop Rocks for the electric fun. And it would be an indescribable taste. So Jeremy Evans basically just went down to Cold Stone, got some vanilla ice cream, and said, one of all the toppings, please. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. mute math. <laughs> Apparently. 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 Do, do, you guys, do you guys have like the Froyo bars uh, yes. popping up uh-huh. in Central Florida? Everywhere. Well, yeah. d- does it work the same way there where you, you pretty much have free reign of the entire store and mm-hmm. then you just have to weigh it at the end? Mm-hmm. And you're like, crap, I just bought a $10. Yeah. Ca- crap, this cost me 12 bucks. <laughs> Man, peanut butter cups are heavy. <laughs> Should have gone for the gummy bears. That to me every time. <laughs> the Pop Rocks. I, yeah, I, I always go into the to the frozen yogurt places like, you know what? I'm just going to do a little yogurt, some granola, and fruit. And I come out with this like monstrosity <laughs> that looks like a, a, a you know, Derek Webb. <laughs> yeah, I come out with a Derek Webb yogurt. <laughs> Sans alcohol. <laughs> That's actually what they should do. They should mm. open an ice cream bar and like uh, awesome. they can inject... Yeah alcohol into the middle of your scoops mm-hmm. that'd be a whole different kind of crowd they could call it the ice cream bar <laughs> yeah call it the ice cream bar wow that sounds amazing it's actually not a bad idea <laughs> seriously <laughs> um okay uh so that's it for your feedback uh if you want to read more or continue in the conversation check out last week's podcast episode page um, now it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, earlier in the podcast, uh, we brought you the hard hitting news of the town in Illinois mm-hmm. who has uh, made it illegal to wear baggy pants. They're doing fines and they're doing community service and probation. We, we came up, of course, we solved their problems for them, coming up with a much more fitting punishment of having to wear Zubaz pants. Right. Um, <laughs> that got us thinking, what other nonviolent crimes could be uh, thwarted by more appropriate punishment than fines and tickets and probation and community service? So we want to hear from you ideas for more appropriate punishments to fit nonviolent crimes. Like, for example, Jesse. Yeah, so, so like if you're caught speeding, instead of just getting a ticket, the cop forces you to ride a recumbent bicycle everywhere you go for three weeks because that would be humiliating. So what we're trying to do is teach you a lesson. Right, yeah, because right. yeah, exactly, paying a ticket exactly. be like, I'll like, pay $100 and you might do it again. You're going to do it, keep doing it, keep but doing if it. you know yeah. that you're going to have to ride that, that bike. recumbent bike on the interstate, you're going to be thinking you're twice. Think twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, you're, you're six inches off the ground. You might need to run for... Uh, government or something one day jesse i probably will i, I mean you it's are in like, virginia you're pretty close it's, it's, i mean stuff like that's like you know solomon yeah they need you <laughs> yeah, yeah the people really need me or like okay for littering all right i don't know what the correlation is here but like let's say we bust you for littering i give you the most gaudy ed hardy outfit and you have to wear it <laughs> like See, head to toe See, I would get, I would, I would just pelt the person endlessly with peanuts and pretzels. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to sit there and be pelted with peanuts and pretzels. Yeah, I would, I would cut somebody's hair into a mullet for a real serious offense, mm. like a crime of passion. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you're caught in a crime of passion, which would be illegal in my country, <laughs> you cut your hair into a mullet. 
That'll teach you. And we shave your eyebrows. Oh, that'd oh. be good. Basically, that's, that's good. a Scarlet it's A. Kinda, yeah, it's kind of Scarlet A thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, your eyebrows would go bracket. It would just be kind of funny for those couple weeks. Right. They don't grow that fast. It'd be months. So well, you should have been trespassing. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, so we want to know from you more appropriate, unusual, and creative punishments to fit, again, nonviolent crimes. We don't mm-hmm. want to get this serious here. I mean, so. Um, so head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and you can post your replies there and we'll read our favorites on next week's show. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. Many thanks to director Don McLinn for talking to us. His uh, new project is called Rejoice and Shout. You can watch the film's trailer and the full interview with Don on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. And if you want to check out the first issue of Reject Apathy, um, the new website for Reject Apathy will be launching on Wednesday while this podcast is out. Uh, So make sure to check it out that day. If you have a group or campus, organization, church where you want to distribute uh, a large quantity, 50 or up, uh, we will send those to you for free. You just pay for shipping. Uh, You can contact us right there at rejectapathy.com. There's a link to uh, request quantities uh, of the magazine. Uh, We want to get it in your hands. Well, that'll do it for this week's show. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Maya Strang. I'm Roxanne Weeman. I'm Jesse Carey. That's Chad Michael Snavely. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. For more, go to relevantmagazine.com. I've had it with this stuffy old town. Down to the warehouse for a dance-off.